Welcome to the Tiny Logic Podcast, where we have conversations with those on the front lines of the tiny house revolution. My name is Adam Garrett Clark. In 2015, I created a $300 a month housing opportunity for myself and five other friends in an off-grid tiny home community in Oakland, California. Since then, tiny homes have taken over my life. This show is for the tiny converted to talk shop and get us all housed. You can find more information about the work of Tiny Logic at tinylogic.ninja. If you've ever wondered what it's like to actually set up a DIY tiny home community, what does it look and smell like and feel like, stick around for this conversation. This was a really fun uh, meandering talk I had with a dear friend uh, and the co-founder of the tiny home community that uh, we all used to live at um, in West Oakland. Uh, his name is Joshua Pierce, and um, we tell the story, uh, kind of the follow-up to what um, was outlined in episode one of season two, uh, leading up to, to, to my journey of, of tiny housing and how our community started. This is the, some of the initial days, um, and it's pretty. there were some pretty funny and uh, crazy things that happened in the, the striking down of, of one community uh, and, and the start of the next. Um, and we also talk about Joshua's housing precarity and his, his journey um, to find stable housing uh, leading up to this. Um, two quick things to say about Joshua Pierce. Um, I mean, listening to this conversation uh, just really makes me miss him. He ended up um, building his own beautiful tiny home, uh, which he calls the Broken Hammer, at our uh, site, he was he started his journey in a van, and and then uh, slowly but surely started with a trailer, and then built built this beautiful tiny home, wood framed, um, totally by hand. And this was in an off grid community, so you know hammers and nails and hand sawing. Um, and he ended up buying some land up north and uh, moved it uh, towards the end of last year. Uh, up there and is doing well. And the other thing to say about Joshua is that one thing I noticed is that he really found uh, his voice, I suppose, or his uh, part of his calling um, in gardening at our space. And it became a really big part of his um, self-care and his uh, way of, uh, of, of creating therapy for himself. Um, and, and it was beautiful to see. He really made our community shine uh, in, in the uh, in the photosynthetic sense, uh, among other ways. But this is a really fun conversation, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Um, so, our old neighbor Chris. Yeah. We're having to move out. Yeah. It's literally like, what, like two or three days before we have to be off the lot. Everybody's freaking out, uh, except Matt Townsend. <laughs> right. Was didn't give a fuck seemingly. Yeah, 2014. What was it? It was the winter. It was yeah. February, right? It was February. February was the February freak out. Beginning of March. Yeah. yeah. Right. February was the freak out. So it's late Luke, February. Luke, Luke told us that we had to get out in 30 days because he told the city that he was going to just haul all our shit out on onto Mandela and see how they liked it then. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah. I don't remember that language. Oh, yeah, because uh, his whatever his girlfriend came and told me the story. Heather. Yeah. It, I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, well, that so, sounds like a little bit of a... She was... He, he got hot-headed. He got hot-headed at the meeting with the city, basically. That's that's the story that I got. Oh, uh, yeah. And, like, threatened the city, and they said, Oh, dude, you don't threaten us. You're closed. Like, uh, it's over. gosh. And so, like, it is really coming down to the wire. And so Chris hires this guy... This is like the day we're moving out. The day we're moving out was a Saturday, I think. Yeah, and he he shows up with two semi trucks uh, and these two trailers. Uh huh. And uh, one of them has this crazy crane thing on it. So the guy manages to back that semi truck into our lot. Okay. And then the two arms of the semi crane kind of go like uh, they kind of look like a T Rex and like. Except got really big then. Uh huh. They went, like went from T Rex arms to like Mondo big stretched out things. So I mean, it's like two cranes. Yeah, there's one on each end of the trailer. Okay. And it like went out, and it latched onto the container and went. Whoop! They drove it out, 
put it onto another truck. That truck drove away. He backed in, did it again, and put it onto that truck, and then they drove away with that one. And then wow. they came back the next day and then did another run. Wow. It was the craziest thing. And it, the fact was that the guy got an 18-wheeler into a space that was like maybe 12 feet long, wide. Uh-huh. It was just crazy. I don't know how the guy even got it in there. Wow. And, Skills. And then, yeah, the guy just was like... Like, it was... It was so fast. He had this little, like, controller that was on, like, a strap that he uh -huh. was wearing around his chest. Huh. And he just walked over and was like, whoop, and the thing went over and it, like, latched on. And he clicked the button. And he was he like. the latches click on it. And then he just, like, whoop, and, like, the fucking crane went, whoo, boom. And it just, like, went right onto the trailer and the guy drove off. Wow. It was insane. I've never seen anything. It was, like, one of those things you see on Instagram that you're like, whoa, that's skill. You know, like the guys backing the, the, the gravel trucks up and like making a road as they're doing it. It was like that. It was like, whoa, what the fuck did I just see? That was insane. So this guy was from New Zealand, you said? Yeah, he was a New Zealander. Did you get a sense of who he was? Did he talk to he you? He was really interesting. I don't really remember a lot about him now because it's been yeah. five years. But he was a really interesting guy and like I was amazed by not only the machinery that they brought in to do it which I think it cost him 20 grand for each one of those containers to get moved because he was having them taken way the fuck up to his spot in Chico or some shit how many did he have I feel like there were four big ones he had this courtyard he yeah. had at least like a horseshoe type yeah. frame right like yeah. he had two shipping containers side by like side yeah. with like a courtyard in the middle yeah. and he might have even had a full donut like four shipping I'm containers sure he had a full donut. Yeah. yeah and then he had some stacked on top yeah because i remember helping him on his roof yeah he had like plastic sheets and on parts of it like yeah acrylic sheets i spent a solid day like half a day or more working on his roof and he was calling up yeah put that over there and, and he, move all these things over that way they were all stacked on top of doing two, that whole thing as he's like you know, loading shit like crazy. He had a fucking, like, cardiac event. This was, I was going to ask. This was on the climactic day. Yeah. I remember this day. This was the first day we moved here. Yeah. And I was here early, bright and shiny. And anyway, yeah. so I missed this. But yeah. oh, I man, heard. so fucking crazy. And he's, he's just, like, looked white. And so, like. This they, is while the, the New Zealander guy is this moving. This before or after. I can't remember. I think it might have been before. Because he was like moving a bunch of shit into the containers okay. to get them ready to move the containers. Right, 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 right. And I think it was before. Okay, he yeah, because he came he's, in and moved them. Because he's like, all exhausted. Yeah, he was like super fucking exhausted, and he's like, I can't feel my legs. <sighs> well, and he had one like, well, he had, he had like these massive like, braces. He looked like like the one of the evil characters in Iron Man. That, oh, like, dude, especially because of that huge fucking tattoo on his chest. Yeah, and he was he was like a he was like a, a professional wrestler size, yeah. like yeah. one of the big guys. Yeah. And he walked and he had like this big ominous like robe or something at night. So Oh like, yeah, that was funny, I forgot about that. At dusk you would see this fig the silhouette of this massive figure yeah. like kind of hobbling towards you he but just make like that dog looked kinda of normal size, didn't he? And then he had <laughs> Murray. He had Murray, which was this like horse sized It's an English mastiff. British Mastiff yeah. that its tail sounded oh, like it was like wet you'd be like what's that right ball level right at ball level right exactly at ball level and it would happen it yeah. happened to you happened oh, to yeah. me and I saw it happen to Pinto <laughs> it happened to everybody that lived there but such a lovable puppy yeah now that, that dog didn't scare me at all looks like he could eat you of course he never bark he like didn't bark either no he was lovable yeah but he would take massive cow pie shits right in front of my RV because I was in the corner of the triangle lot. And that was the poop it, spot. He, he did it behind my van, too. Oh, man. Like, right, you know how I was parked along that fence line? Yeah. And there were several holes. Like, I don't know why there were holes over there. Maybe there were posts there at some point. But I was, like, peeing down one uh -huh. all the time because I, like, didn't want to fucking... This is on, on uh, Mandela side? Yeah. Right. And it had the, the fence there. Right. And it was all slatted. Yep, yep, yep. And so people would be walking by and I'd just be taking a piss and be like... <laughs> <laughs> just watching people walk 
and then, and yeah, several several mornings I came out to go pee in my in my hole and uh, stepped in a stepped in a Murray mound. Oh my god! And it was like shoe engulfing. <laughs> like your shoe just disappeared in it. Oh my god! I re- I remember like it was such a weird sensation to be like you know in your living out of your rv or your van as everybody used to call it and you already feel weird about it and then you're like patching up some like leak yeah with some like random carpet you found on the street (laughs) and duct tape and you look all like flustered over and there's some like beautiful hipster chick like riding her bike down mandela parkway and you're like man this is i'm very in public right now such a strange that was the weirdest location I've ever lived. Yeah. And like, I, I had basically spent the, the last three years before that off and on living on people's couches. Right. Because, like, I had been unable to find work that was substantial enough to get me off of people's couches. This is in Seattle? Uh, no. I, in Seattle, I worked two jobs and was a drunk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a fucking, I was a drunk. What were the two jobs? Okay, so when I first moved there, I had no job, and I had a little bit of money because I made a bunch of body jewelry for one of the shops in Kansas City right before I left, and he paid me four hundred bucks, even though he owed me like eight hundred. So okay. I left with four hundred dollars, so I had some money, and my friend Nikki and Kristen let me stay in their three-bedroom condo with them for like six months and in uh, seattle in seattle okay and so i got there and started looking for a job by day three i was working at stay at starbucks nice i'm not even kidding day three of me being in seattle i started at starbucks that's where it started right and then i so i'm working at starbucks and then my buddy that i sold my body jewelry to in kansas city had this friend that had a tattoo body piercing shop in the u district Okay. So I started going over there and being their administrative assistant, counter person, uh, made body jewelry for them, like did all kinds of stuff this for is that guy. A and, tattoo shop. Yeah. Okay. And body piercing. Nice. And uh, was like friends with all the tattooers. Got my weed from one of the tattooers. Uh, made lifelong friendships with several of these dudes. One of which is in jail now for fucking robbing a bank because he got Whoa. all twacked out on meth. Wow. Yeah. The U District? Yeah. Where's that? It's like, um, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. It's, it's in between, like, so, you know, so Seattle is like this peninsula. Right. Right. And there's this, the sound is over here, but there's also lakes. So there's the peninsulas over here and then there's the sound and then there, in Seattle itself, there's Lake Union and, and Lake Washington. Yeah. And they divide the cities up even further. So, Lake Union, if you're on the south of it, you're in, like, the city. And if you're in the north of it, you're in... Suburbs. In, like, the U District. Oh, okay. So, the U District is there. And if you go from the U District east, straight east, you wind up in Ballard. So, you go across the locks into Ballard. And then uh, north of there, you start getting into, like, the Aurora neighborhood. It's a really interesting. Like, it's... I love Seattle. Nice. I, I... realize that I don't like living there. Yeah. But it's a town that I will never grow tired of visiting. I well, yeah, I was trying to that's why I asked cuz I visited and I, I was yeah. trying to see if I'd pass through it. But yeah, so there's Belltown, which is right next to the Space Needle. Right. There's uh, Queen Anne, which is the hill that's up from Belltown where all the really fancy houses are. Uh-huh. Like super fucking rich people live there. Uh-huh. It's also the part of town where if it snows they don't even bother trying to, to get a plow up it because it's too fucking steep. They just wait until it melts off. Wow. Um, and they only have one snow plow for the whole city. At least at the time I didn't live there, they only had one. Wow. Um, it was a really cool place. And, like, the U District is, is where the University of Washington is. It's on Lake Washington, right next to Lake Union. There's, like, places where you can rent kayaks and canoes right behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a, a an old bridge that was no longer like a highway overpass is no longer in use that's still there that they let people well, they don't let them but people climb up and jump off into the water 
Wow. And uh, it's a really neat, it's a really neat spot. And then on Lake Union, that's kind of one of my favorite spots. I used to live in South Lake Union, and they, I would volunteer at the Center for Wooden Boats. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I would go and volunteer so that I would get, like, they take you on a sail. Hmm. So I'd, like, volunteer for the day, and they take you on, like, an hour sail. And they'd just sail around the lake and then sail back in. Oh, wow. And so I did that a few times and realized I super, super love sailboats. Yeah. And, um, and when, yeah, when we came out here, or when I came out here and started hanging out with Larry. Yeah. Like, when we went sailing, dude, yeah. he left me in charge like way longer than anybody else like everybody else he took over again yeah I me mean, he's like yeah you're doing fine <laughs> nice like, yeah he, he was living out of his sailboat right yeah yeah and then he was living out of a van i don't know what he's doing now yeah all right so anyway i wanted to ask you about well i was kind of curious about what you said about uh, seattle being drunk oh man yeah I was like a, a pint of of like Sailor Jerry rum every day really or, or like old granddad whiskey like I'd have a pint of that just about every day and uh, I would also buy like on days that I was working at Trader Joe's I'd buy a six pack of triple uh -huh. which is like a 7.8 beer and I'd finish that off every night after work I'd drink a six pack of seven point eight beer triple night. yeah triple oh that's like that belgium yeah. like yeah. rich i've and had then, those and then on like saturdays i'd like do that and then i'd run out yeah and i'd be like oh i, I gotta go downstairs so I, I lived in a building that had a bodega in it uh -huh. so i'd like go downstairs and walk around the corner and go to the bodega and buy like two 22s 22s and, like, 22 ounce bottles of, of like uh like Thunderhead or like a like an IPA. Like I was super into IPAs back then. I don't like them now because they make my stomach hurt. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, you chug those. Yeah, I just power through those and like eat fucking jalapeno chips and fucking <laughs> Vienna sausages and just be like rah 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 rah. <laughs> and then I'd run out of weed and be like call my dealer and be like yo dude bring me two twenty sacks. <laughs> and then like by by Sunday, I'd be like yo dude bring me two twenty sacks. That <laughs> uh, was terrible. No wonder your stomach always hurts now. Yeah, well, that's why I don't drink. Jalapeno? I hardly ever drink. Actually, surprisingly, like, jalapeno chips yeah. are one of the few things that if I'm really nauseated, if I eat one, it will kind of calm my stomach down. All right. I, lo I, love I love jalapeno everything. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like it does... Uh, they say it hurts your stomach? I don't know. I don't know. Gives because, you a heartburn? Agita? Uh, I think that... I don't know about that. I think certain things do, like... For me, it's tomato uh, paste and, like, orange juice. There's a few other things. Things that are highly concentrated. Okay. I have a tendency to mess with my stomach. And, um, I don't know if that... I feel like spicy stuff isn't so bad. Like, they give people with ulcers cayenne because it's supposed to help them heal their ulcers. Mm, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of health benefits, I feel like, with yeah. the capsicums. So yeah, yeah, I was super lush, and then I was working at Trader Joe's and Starbucks at the same time. <laughs> Hilarious. And then I was working at Trader Joe's and uh, this glass shop called Bedrock Industries. Oh yeah, in Seattle, which was probably my favorite job I've ever had ever, even though it, it was not. Yeah, I worked for this little Mexican dude who had a Napoleon complex. <laughs> Because he was really short. He was awesome. He was, like, super really, really nice guy. Yeah. But, like, <clears throat> he'd be like, man, you're taking too long. And I'd be like, okay, man. I'm like, you told me to do it right. And he's like, yeah, but you're taking too long. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So I'll do it faster. But then there'll be messed up ones. He's like, okay, okay, do it right. What were you blowing? No, we were making tiles. Out so, of glass? Yeah. So, so they had this huge hammer mill. Okay. Which is like say exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> like okay. So they would to buy break bullet, it up. Uh, recycled glass color. So okay. Like stuff that was either gonna get recycled because it didn't sell 
or like basically it's all stuff that was gonna get thrown away or recycled. Okay. And glass bottles and all kinds of shit. So they would smash all that shit into like little tiny grains. Wow. Of all these different colors. Cool. And all different sizes of it. Okay. Like, it would be like stuff this big down to like dust. Okay, like a quarter size to dust. Yeah. And um so we had these big tables that were five feet by ten feet that okay. were covered in kiln bricks. Okay. It was like a big steel table on wheels that was covered in kiln bricks. And you would take these molds made out of refractory material, which is, it's kind of like plaster, but you can put it in a kiln at 3,000 degrees and it won't get destroyed. Okay. Eventually it will, but it's pretty resilient. And you, so you, you take these molds and you put kiln wash on them and, uh, and then you mix up these batches of of glass, like mixtures of glass. So they'll be like three cups of this color, one cup of this size, and like a quarter cup of this grain, and then like, oh, uh, a little sprinkles of red. So it'd be like all this green colors, like five different greens and, and blue, and then like a sprinkle of red in there. Okay. And so I would have to like mix that up in buckets. And so I would take those buckets and then I would like take a, uh, a cup and I would shake those evenly into those molds. And they were every size from one by one tiles to like uh, five by ten subway tiles. Okay. And so I'd put those in the kiln. So the downside is, is when they made those tiles originally, they didn't take the time to level them. Okay. So when they were making the molds, the molds, some of them were a little off kilter, uh. which made that mold up off kilter. So when uh. you turn it upside down, the, the, the tiles would be thick on one side and thin on the other because... Right it would be sloped. Right. So I would have to take little pieces of kiln fiber okay. and tuck it underneath them to support it, to level them all out. Uh, and that's the part that took forever. Because uh, I was like literally tucking little bits of batting underneath all these uh, one tray at a time to make the whole thing level. Right. And then oftentimes, if the, uh, the recipe required you to spray borax on it, I would like have to make borax in the morning. So we had this like, a great big crock pot that I would mix up water, distilled water and borax in, huh. and like turn it on until it all melted together, and then I would fill that up with a pump sprayer and go spray that on the tiles. As they're cooling? No, it acts as a flux. So when you put the tiles in the kiln, if you didn't do that, what you would get was like this, um, it was purposeful de devitrification. Devitrification is when glass gets crystallized. Okay. So it makes it kind of coarse looking and matte colored. Oh. There's not a shine to it anymore. Okay. So if you want it to not be like that, you don't want it to devitrify in the kiln and make that sort of coarse texture on the outside of it, you would spray the borax on top of it and it would have like a glass-like sheen. Oh. Um, so the borax was just a flux to sort of let that glass shine evenly and be shiny. And it would also, if you got enough of it in the glass, it would make the glass more clear. Oh, wow. So it was, it was really, like, that part of it was really awesome. Like, I loved that part. There were a couple downsides. My boss was kind of a dickhead. <laughs> but was really cool because, like, at the same time that he would be really hard on me, anytime I'd go on break, he'd be like, yo, man, you gonna go get some of that motivation? And, like, totally <laughs> do the joint puffing thing. And I'm like... Yeah, man. He's like, all right, we'll come back ready to work. And I'm like, I will. He's <laughs> like, all right. And so th there were times like that when he was super cool. Um, motivation? Yeah, motivation. I'm like, that's, that's fucking brilliant. And uh, I've, been, I've said that ever since. Yeah, what did he use that? Like, fucking since 2006, I guess. That dude. He's like, yo, you going to go get some motivation? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to go get motivated. <laughs> go out in the like we had this tile outdoor tile warehouse that people could walk around and look at stuff and I had several little spots that I could tuck in and like blaze up and it was Seattle and nobody gave a fuck yeah like literally nobody gave a fuck um, 2006 how did you get here how did I get here so in 2008, when the market crashed, the yeah. housing market, yep. so I was working, making tiles, most of our work was for housing. 
Uh, oh. So it just dropped out, and we went from fi- that company went from fifteen employees to three. Whoa! Yeah. So they and including they laid off two of the shareholders who were also employees. This is a moment like now. Yeah. Or like what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, legit. Like they they called me in. They're like, we have to let you go. And I'm like, what? And they're like. We just finished that order, and normally we've got like months worth of orders lined up, and we don't have anything. So like, we have to let you go, and I'm like, okay, so, all right, that sucks. Yeah. (laughs) And they gave me like a little severance package. I think they gave me two weeks of pay. Uh huh. And then uh, like they told me they'd give me a great reference. super bummed and I was living in Seattle and uh, my friend Nikki had just called off her wedding and was trying to find a place to move into and couldn't afford anything and I was on uh, un- unemployment and it was about $400 a week and uh, she said that I could stay with her if I paid a third of her rent and I was like okay cool I'll keep looking for a job hopefully I'll find something and so I stayed with her for like six or eight months couldn't find anything and so I started scheming with my buddy Ray on like alternate plans because like both of us were like he was getting out of a relationship and I was like broke and needed a new place to be yeah and uh, so my stepdad still owned the house that I grew up in and he said that I could come back and uh, stay there while I was working on it Mm. and that he would pay for me working on it and when when we sold it we'd split it Whoa. and I'm like okay so I got I went there and I went and checked it out and I'm like I'm not living in that <laughs> I can't believe you let my house that I grew up in turn to that that's fucked up like this one guy let the dog that was living there they just left it in a room for like five days uh. there was like fucking dog shit and piss all over the place it was still there uh. Uh, and so yeah like I spent a year working on it, mm-hmm. got it really cleaned up, put it, replaced the floor, like did a bunch of work on it, uh, really cleaned it out, got all the fucking moldy shit out of it and it all cleaned up and got all the furniture out of it and he ran out of money. He didn't, he just didn't want to spend anymore. Paying you or even for materials? For materials, like he wasn't paying me. Like yeah. At all, he was just paying for materials, and, and you I had was a space to stay, having a place to stay. Right. And uh, so, like, you know, he'd buy me weed and shit <laughs> to make up for the fact that I was busting my ass for him. Right. And then, uh, yeah, basically, what happened is he didn't want to pay anymore, and uh, I uh, he like tried to move. He like was trying to date this girl who was like twenty. Mm-hmm. Three or something like that And I'm like Dude she's fucking Ten years younger than me You're gonna move This fucking bitch in here And you're not gonna Let me have a room I gotta fucking live In the fucking Living room for two years And you're gonna fucking Move her in What the fuck Are you shitting me and Oh he moves she, A woman she was into like, your She didn't want to date him She just was Needed a place to stay Uh huh And I'm like That's fucked up And I'm like Your fucking priorities Are fucked up man You're <laughs> fucking Not giving me the money That we need to fucking Do this Like why don't we just call the fucking Wheat Buy Ugly Houses people? Like, you know what? I'll tell you what they're going to do. I, I sat him down and I'm like, here's what I guarantee you. They're going to walk through that fucking house. They're going to look at everything that needs to be done on it. And they're going to go, yeah, we're going to give you $14,000 for it. Right? And I told him that. And he's like, no, that's, no, I don't believe that. They're going to, they're offering me more than that. It's worth at least $80,000. Right? He calls them. They come and do the whole thing. He comes back to me and he's like, you're right. They offered me $14,000 for it. And I'm like, fucking listen to me. Like, if you would have listened to me, it would have been no fucking deal. You, like, would have continued working on it, and we'd have been able to sell it for $80,000. But no! And so we got in this big fucking fight, and he's like, well, you're still in my will. I'm like, fuck you and your fucking will. I don't want anything from you ever fucking again. This is your stepdad. Yeah. And, like, I moved all my shit out the next day. Like, he came, like, 
my aunt also had died like a week before this had happened and I was like trying to figure out a way to go to Seattle to like go to her funeral mm. and he's like I bought you a ticket for the Greyhound and I'm like fuck you and your fucking Greyhound I'm fucking out of here this is bullshit <laughs> and so I packed all my shit up and I moved out and moved into my buddy's house uh-huh. who's like you can stay here as long as you want and I'm like dude I'm only going to be here for a month I'm just going to sell my car and pack up my shit and get on a plane and go to fucking San Francisco and look for, with my mom wow and, this was uh, what year this was oh like after 2008 you said it was I got here in March of 2012 March 12th of 2012 right okay yeah and uh, moved into my mom's place and by moved in I mean I carved out a tiny corner of the floor to sleep on uh, while her drunk ex-boyfriend was a raging asshole. This was in the Tenderloin, right? In an SRO? In a pretty much. It was a little bit bigger. I mean, it was a a studio, but not by much. Like, the only thing that made it be a studio and not an SRO is the fact that it had a closet. (laughs) Okay, it had its own bathroom? It had its own bathroom and its own little tiny kitchen. Nice. But it had a big closet. Like, it was actually a closet big enough to be a room. Okay. But they don't, they didn't use it that way. So, like, I'm sleeping on the floor. I'm still on unemployment. My unemployment runs out. I get on general assistance. Okay. And at that time, I'm, like, kind of severely disabled because I had had a pretty bad, like... I have this shoulders my left shoulder is really fucked up it's been severely dislocated several times including one where it also broke my collarbone jeez uh, and so when I was living in Seattle I was sleeping on a, on a couch and I was sleeping on it weird all the time and it was like popping out of place just about every night oh god and so when I moved out out here I was like pretty much incapacitated I feel like I do right now my shoulder was just fucked like doing this for the last few days painting your the side of your tiny house just screaming bad yeah um and so i got on temporary disability yeah Uh, i was on that for about a year Mm -hmm. and they just like i go in and i did physical therapy for two six-week sessions over the course of a year and it didn't do anything and then they're like well we're gonna send you to the bone doctor I don't fucking know what those are called but they, they sent me to this doctor and they're like well uh, you know there's a surgery for this but the likelihood of it working for a person your age is pretty slim uh, why don't we see you again in a year I'm like are you fucking kidding me I can barely lift my arm up <laughs> and uh, they're like sorry you can go through physical therapy again so I did another six weeks of physical therapy and at that point I was working at Pete's Uh in the basement of the mall over on Market Street. Westfield Mall? You worked at the Pete's at Westfield? I worked down in the basement at the Pete's. And uh, it was the most horrible coffee job I've ever had. Yeah. Like, it was horrible. It was eight-hour shifts with a half-an-hour lunch and and two ten-minute breaks. And, like, in coffee world... Starbucks, gourmet coffee shops, like, your average shift is six hours. Yeah. And they don't like you working longer than that because you get fucking burned out and start yelling at people. (laughs) And so, like, it was eight-hour shifts, and they made you wear this stupid fucking silly-ass shirt with the fucking... Oh, it was horrible. I hated it. (laughs) Uh, Like, had plaid, like, red plaid on it because it was part of the grocery store that was across the way from it. Oh. And, uh... I was supposed to be working in the grocery store. I wasn't supposed to be working in the coffee shop, but because I had coffee experience, they put me in there anyway. Uh. And like, I was super depressed, and I was like, I'm fucking want to quit this job. I cannot stand this job. And I'm literally walking along the Embarcadero smoking a joint. <laughs> and I saw Max. Max! Maximilian! Maximilian. I saw Max, and I'm like, Yo, dude. He's like, oh, hey, what's going on? I'm like, hey, uh, you know, I, I see y'all down here all the fucking time. And you guys are like the only people down here that are smiling all the time. I'm like, that leads me to believe that you actually like your job. He's like, I fucking love my job. 
And I'm like, really? He's like, I love it. And I'm like, really? Well, you know, I mean, how much do you do? He's like, well, you know, you average about 160 a day. And I'm like, okay, so that means you have really bad days and you have really good days. Right. 160 is like medium. I'd say yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. accurate. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's like twice what I'm making at the coffee shop. <laughs> Fuck, what the fuck am I doing working at the coffee shop? And I was still working in the coffee shop and I, uh, I went in on my 90th day mm-hmm. of work. And they called me into the office, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and let you go, uh, let you go uh, on your 90-day uh, trial period." Mm. And I'm like, "Why?" And they're like, "Well, you've never been available for full time." I'm like, "You have worked me full time the whole time I've worked here. <laughs> I told you I only wanted to work three days a week. <laughs> you said that was fine when you hired me. Now you're saying that that uh, I was never available for five days a week, even though you have scheduled me for five days a week the whole time I've worked. I'm like, really? He's like, uh, 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 and he just stammered, and I'm like, you know what, don't even fucking answer that, and I walked out. <laughs> and um, I got home, and I opened my mailbox, and there was the insurance papers. They had given me my insurance Okay. From the, the company. The oh. day they fired me. Oh, I see, I see. They gave me my insurance. So you, did you get to use that? Yeah, I put it on Cobra. Oh, I didn't know yeah. you could do that. Oh. Yeah, I just switched it on to Cobra, and they, like, I got to use their insurance for like three months while I was starting pedicabbing. Oh, and then they caught on and they canceled it or something? Uh, no, I mean, I just, once I, once I realized what I was making pedicabbing and realized that I was still paying for the other thing, mm-hmm. and... Uh, <laughs> That's not a secret. That oh, I could, that I could not be on the the books, and so I basically just like canceled all of my oh, I see unemployment. I just fucking turned all that shit off and just zip, disappeared. Yeah, I see, I see, I see. And just worked on cash for like three years. Yeah. Yeah. Until I got a card swiper, <laughs> and then I started doing a little bit of card swipe. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I still had bank accounts the whole time, and, yeah, you know. I had a bank account, but it didn't have much in it. I basically yeah. was homeless. Wait, all right, so hold on a second. What, you're talking about, so you're at your mom's spot. There's yeah. this dude who's, like, hectic. It's this yeah. tight spot. Yeah, yeah, and then Chops is like, yo, dude, I need a roommate. Uh, and so you had already started pedicabbing. Yeah. I've been pedicabbing for like three months. This is Chops 2012. Like, yeah, Chops is like, no, no, it was 2013. Okay. Chops is like, you go, you go live in my place. Uh, I'm like, oh yeah? He's like, my girlfriend's fucking crazy, but it's a pretty cool place to live. Uh, where was this? I was up in uh, the Lower Haight, uh, just a block off the visit arrow. Yeah, so, yeah, wow. Um, and I'm like, yeah, cool, how much is it? And he's like, buy 50 a month. Yeah, I'm in. Nice. Cool. And then I get there and I realize it's a fucking closet. <laughs> like, it was obviously a one bedroom uh-huh. that the guy had just sort of chopped part of the one bedroom off to make a really small room. For, okay. It was just wide enough for my bed, which was like six feet and like a one rubber made tub. So it was maybe seven feet wide okay. and ten feet long. Tiny house. Really fucking tiny. Tinier than my tiny house. Way tinier. Yeah. And uh, so I lived in, I lived there with Chops and Audrey for a year. And boy, was he not kidding. She was fucking crazy. <laughs> like, she was violent. <laughs> wow. Like, like, she got up, up all up in my business one time because I hadn't bought toilet paper. Uh huh. And I'm like, you guys do realize I buy my own toilet paper, right? <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, walked into my room, I'm like, I buy the kind that doesn't make my ass hurt. <laughs> I'm like, you buy that fucking Scott Tissue stuff that feels like fucking sandpaper. I never use your fucking toilet paper. Are you fucking kidding me? Why should I buy you guys toilet paper? I buy my fucking own. And she's like, oh. And then she banished me from, from cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> Was it a tight kitchen? It really wasn't. She just okay. didn't want me using their tools. Oh, goodness. Because she was like a fucking crazy ass. Oh, man. Yeah, she was fucking crazy. See, that would drive me to move into my own tiny house, too. Yeah. and I'm like, 
they're right up against the line and they're trying to find a place to stay and they know that like the owner wants them to move out and uh and I'm like fuck, I see the writing on the wall. I better get a fucking van. I, and so, like, I, I borrowed $700 from my mom, mm-hmm. and I took the $2,000 that I had, and I found this dude down in Pacifica that had that van. Okay. And I gave him $2,700 bucks for it. Wow. Drove away, and spent three months living in it. Uh, down in this down Pacifica. In Pacifica. And you would just... Com- I would commute up to the city, ride the pedicab, in the van? In the van. Right. I would park in the pier. Yeah. Just fucking back in there when it was hella rainy and stuff like that. And my van was kind of leaky back then. I would park in the pier. You could like, just crash there. Right. I'd park in there for like a week at a time sometimes. Yeah. And then I'd fucking cruise on back down to Pacifica for the weekend or a week or whatever. Yeah. I would move my van every day so it wasn't in the same spot ever. Right. And uh, I would always stay like a block or so from the ocean. And, and what was that? Or and, go ahead. And would like park an orientation where I could open my back windows and hear the ocean all night. Nice. I'm curious because I've done versions of that for just like a week or two yeah. or a couple days while traveling with Janet. And I'm always thinking about when I'm doing it, I'm thinking about where am I going to piss in the middle of the night? You know, it's usually, like, somebody's lawn or, like, yeah. you don't want it to be somebody's lawn. Right. So, you want it to be some, like, bush and there's, like, lots of, like, visual barriers so you're not, like, caught at 2 a.m. Like, so, I take recommend it the Nalgene bottle. Oh, yeah, there's that. The I never Nalgene really did that. Is, it's gross. Yeah. But it is very effective because you can do it inside. Yeah. And then very nonchalantly dump it out or dump it down in the toilet or whatever. It's very, very easy to nonchalant. It's a way better and, way to do it. And they're that big. So, Janet could use it too, to be totally fair. Nalgene? Huge, huge lid. The Nalgene? Yeah. That's the, like, the rubber one, like a running drink, like you squirt it? Well, no, they're, I mean, they are, they are rubbery, but yeah, it's like a big, um, it's a big bottle that, uh, is actually designed so it can be autoclaved. Uh-huh. Those, those Nalgene bottles are meant so that you can autoclave them so they can be really clean. Uh... Um, but yeah, there's like a really sturdy, I think they're polyethylene. Okay. And they have like a PVC plastic lid. Oh. It's got a tether to it. Yeah. And they're, you know, like quart size usually. Okay. I feel like I've been to a festival in Joshua Tree and I saw this like. Lots of people drink water out of them. <laughs> no, I saw this like, this like seasoned, like burning man. Yeah. Like hippie beautiful man with this like beautiful hippie lady and like five little hippie kids and they had like they had this like really badass setup because that you could tell they'd been like just doing it for a long time going and setting up shop and then i would see him in the morning and he'd have like this big round plastic container with this big lid and he'd just be casually go into the porta potty and dump that thing and i was like that's the way you do it your pee bottle right there Okay, so then my other question was, when I'm doing it, is, um, well, cars whizzing by? Have you parked in the wrong spot? Yeah, not a problem down in Pacifica. It's dead. Mm. The sleepier the town, the better. Yeah. Yeah, because people aren't even thinking you're doing it either. Right. And, like, the other key is is good headphones. Okay. Um, And making sure that you have no light escaping your van at night. That's really the only issue. Yeah, I remember that. The, yeah. the curtains are yeah. a thing. Because you got street lights coming at you from all angles. Yeah. And yeah, like, I legit, in the mornings, I would get up, I'd walk down to the bathroom on the pier, I'd take a shit, I'd dump my piss bottle, I'd get a coffee, I'd walk to the end of the pier, drink my coffee, walk back to the van, and usually, like, make some oatmeal or something like open the back doors of the van i had my kitchen set up on a little table in there and i would like cook myself oatmeal fucking get in the van eat my oatmeal maybe watch some tv on my tablet or my phone for nice. a few minutes and then i'd cruise off to go pedicab nice that's super it was, chill it was very chill and it was probably the most peaceful living other than dealing with rain not an issue that, that was the issue that I had was dealing with rain because it was starting to leak and it was starting to rain. 
in Pacifica, you never had like a situation where you're you're there and like some guys like, hey, not over here, you fucking home homebo. I think maybe the fact that my van looked like it was a surf van and had a bunch of surfer stickers on it. Yeah. Just people thought I was a surfer and was like there to just fucking chill at the beach in the morning and they thought I just got there. And surfers do that. Yeah. Don't they have sleep oh, out of their like vans? I'm up hell early, like four in the morning to go get out early if it's good if it's good surf. So like. Right. You know, they're slaves to whatever time the surf is breaking. It doesn't matter what time it is. Right. Okay, wow. So then what stopped you from doing that and moving in uh, to the triangle? Um, it was the rain. Uh, oh, yeah. It was around wintertime when you yeah, moved? Or the fall? Started, or the van started having issues because the rain had leaked inside of it a few times into the wiring. Okay. And some things had stopped working. And I had it break down on me twice on road trips. Right. And really, like, simple, really cheap stuff. So it wasn't, like, a huge issue. I think the most expensive was, like, $250 in, like, a day's worth of my time stuck in Santa Cruz. Yeah. Because the van broke and one of its fucking computer parts fritzed. Um, and I was like, yeah, I need some place that I just don't need to drive this around very much because it's not running great right now. And I was worried that it would get worse. So I, I approached Pento because I had just heard that he had gotten an RV. And, like, I knew you, but you were kind of, like... <laughs> sitting, sitting casually looking on my well, phone. I mean, you're, like, that's your... You're sort of... You're, like, you... I don't want to say you were unapproachable. <laughs> but it, it wasn't, like, oh, he wants to talk right now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you weren't, like sitting on your pedicab chatting with people and like chatting with the people in line you were like just yeah. kind of like chilling I'm like I'm four like, years into pedicabbing yeah. at this point or something I'm like uh yeah I'm not gonna bother him I'll ask Pinto he, he knows and I didn't really know Pinto that much and at that point I was calling him Fidel yeah I used to call him Fidel yeah <laughs> that's right cause he had his fucking right his uh, square beard it was fucking square as fuck just like what Castro had, yeah, and he had, had a, the cap he had the like uh, Che Guevara yeah Revolution yeah. cap. Right. And so he was riding around in that, and he had his hair was just starting to grow out. It was okay. Like maybe this long. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, all the dudes at GGP yeah. called him Fidel. Right. And I walked up to him, and I'm like, oh, Fidel? And, I'm, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's Alex. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> and, uh, and I come to find out later that all of the people at, at Cabrio yeah. were calling him Pinstro. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, or Pinto. Just about like Fidel. Castro. Uh, really? Like Castro, but with Pin. Oh, right, right. That's what right. they're calling him. Right. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then he lost that hat and got the cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we well, he had, he had the yeah. baseball cap yeah, a lot, yeah. too. And I think we didn't really start hanging out until I started riding for Cabrio a year and a half in. Yeah. And I was just like, fucking done with Oscar's bullshit. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, Oscar. Screwing me on the rent. Like, he was... The whole first year that I rode, I rode for 120 on off game weeks and 180 for, for game weeks. That's insane. It should never even be 100. Right. And I'm like, man, <clears throat> this is fucking too much. And then he's like, yeah, it's going to be 240 next next year. A day? Uh, no, that was for the week because I had a oh. weekly. Oh, okay, for weekly. But it was just still, I'm like, dude, that's too much. I don't make that much out here. Like, at that point, I wasn't riding that much. Yeah. And things had trailed off quite a bit. Like, it was $200 days instead of $300 days. Right. And uh, I'm like, dude, I can't afford to do that. And I went over and I talked to Mimosa. And uh, she's like, we don't really have any cabs right now, but uh, I know that you only like working during the mornings, and hardly anybody ever comes in in the mornings over here, so I'm sure we could find you a cab, at <laughs> least until like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, every yeah, day. the half day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what would you charge me? And she's like, oh, maybe like, I don't know, 140 And I'm like, word, let's do this. And, uh, and so I went home, and I was trying to figure out a way to, to, to tell Oscar. And... Uh, <sighs> Breaking next, up with Oscar. Yeah, the next morning, I woke up to, like, 
seven fucking texts and three emails from Oscar, all, like, asking me tons of fucking questions about, like, just stupid random shit around the shop, and, like, I'm like, dude, what the F is your fucking problem? I fucking quit. I tender my resignation. Because weren't you, you were doing mechanic work, too? Uh, I was going to, but then Chops swooped under and got me uh, instead of me. And then when I went to, to Cabrio, I was like, I'm a mechanic. Can you use that? And that was part of the deal that got me on there. Oh, nice. And then I trained with Lou for a year. Yeah. And then I was the mechanic for a, a year, basically. Yeah. Like, off and on, because right. it wasn't like a full-time gig, because I was mostly riding. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. It was a very thankless job. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking petty cabrio. Princesses. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was. I definitely had my conversations with Lou. <clears throat> All right, princess. Can you feel that pee under your butt underneath those five mattresses? You fuck. I'm like, I get out there. I'm like, my legs are not liking this. There is resistance here. Yeah. Put some grease on here, man. Yeah. I need to be gliding through these streets. Yeah. So I can make the money. I need that smooth ride. Yeah, but sometimes I'll admit, I think it might have been in my head. I was just like. Dude, too tired. People get tired. It's man. fucking like, headwinds. The, the winds get to you. Like I had one where it was the bike was dragging. Yeah. But legit, I was, it was super windy day, and I was fucking hella tired. And the ride in to yeah. the pier, I got so winded that I got off and dragged it in. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't fucking pedal anymore. I just got off and was like, just fucking dragged it in. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, I feel like we should close this out. This is a good conversation. Yeah. I feel like we should do another one of. I mean, there's here. lots. What's that? The full on move here. Oh, the full on move here. The yeah. Fucking getting dragged. Okay, so. Yeah, that's a good that, way to bookend it. So that was probably my favorite thing about coming over here. So. Gehring talked me into stealing Chris's Unimog. Okay, which is like a it's Bobcat like a, deal. Yeah, kind of. It's a, it's a Mercedes-Benz, like, military truck with, like, a scoop and a thing on it, an arm. And, and like, nobody at the lot knew even how to start it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, y'all are fucking morons. And they're like, yeah, you think you can start it? And I'm like, I got right in and started it right up. And they're like, holy fuck. They're like, can you drive that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and Gehring's like, oh, okay, well, I need you to come push my fucking container into this lot and I, I drive all the way over to that meat market joe's meat market yeah and i like try to push it in there i'm like this isn't gonna fit <laughs> oh i didn't realize so okay i didn't really catch that detail that you were intimately involved yeah. with that situation yeah. okay so right. he tried to get me to push it in there right and i'm like i can get this in there and park it at that point i can't go anywhere there's no spot for me to turn uh... or anything like that like Jamal could have done it because he could, you know, back it in. Uh-huh. This thing had that big fucking scoop on the front, and it wasn't that maneuverable. Okay. And, like, so I'm like, there's no fucking way I can get this in here. So I drive back to the lot in it, and, and when I get there... So you leave, but did you leave it on the side there? Yeah. What'd you do with his crate? You uh, left... N- um, he dragged it... He got Jamal to... Or... I can't remember. I'm pretty he sure... dragged over here. No, 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 but there was a moment where it just yeah. sat there, yeah, like, in the in-between zone, it did. It did. on an angle, yeah. like, and, with piles of trash around. was in that parking space. Oh, that's how we met Jamal? Yeah. Jamal's car was in that parking space. What? Yeah. That's how we got involved with Jamal? Yeah. What? Okay, and So you left it there, yeah, right? Yeah, I left it there. I drive right back to the fucking lot in the Unimog, expecting Chris to be there and all pissed because I took his fucking truck. Uh-huh. And, of course, he wasn't, and... I get there, and everyone's like, hey, dude, could you drag me down there with that? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So Evan's I, RV that doesn't start. Yeah, so I dragged him over here, and it's, like, parked out front. I remember. I had my video camera going because yeah, I, I was... I drag it in here. I just, par- it like, pulled in, parked it out front, drove back over there. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm not driving this thing again. And he's like, okay, well, like, I'll pull your van with the, with the fork, with forklift. And so Evan drove the forklift. <laughs> With my van towing behind it, and he got stuck on the railroad tracks twice. Oh man! On a forklift, and we get over here, and and he tries to pull me in with the forklift, and yeah. it's not happening because the soil's all torn up because he had bobcatted the whole lot. Right. And uh, I'm like, okay, fuck. And right then, fucking Jamal shows up, 
with a container. Oh, is that one? In that... And like dumps a container, and we're like, "Yo, hey, can we?" It was it was uh, Trevor and... Trevor's container. Yeah. And so like, "Yo, hey, can we like? Could you put us in?" Right. And like, yeah, that's okay. And I'm like, "Yeah, we'll give you some money." And of course, we never gave him any money. Like neither <laughs> one of us gave him any money. But Trevor paid him. But Trevor did. Yeah. And and so like he put in Evans and he put in mine and we're like literally bookends on either end of you. Yep. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. And then we got all of our shit in. Garing's thing is over there. Pinto's parked well, exactly like it is right now. Garing's came in after the fact, but anyway, go yeah. on. Yeah. And then Trevor's is right over here, right behind the big stack of wood. And it was on a crazy angle. And it was on a hell of a crazy angle. And then Bob came in with his forklift uh, to try to move it. Crackhead Bob. Well, well, somehow that forklift ended up in the initial like load-in. Yeah. I feel like either then or a day or two after, somehow this forklift giant forklift was just like right in the driveway yeah. for a couple days, and it was like who's forklift? And then it was like yeah. oh this is Luke's. Yeah. And then I remember sending him a text, which he never responds to, yeah. like hey dude, your forklift your is here. Forklift? We yeah. need the access to this place. Yeah. But I don't know. It sounds like maybe somebody else like grabbed his forklift and no, left was, it there. That was a different. Well, the, Evan used that forklift to drag my van down. And then it must have like broken down, or somebody couldn't figure yeah. out how to get it back to its home. Something like that. I don't know. It, it parked in that driveway for like a month, though. Not was, in our driveway. No, no, over no. there at the fucking other uh, lot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and then. No, I remember. Yeah, Crackhead Bob yeah. ended up. And he brought his big one in here with the big four-wheel drive one and he towed and he, he uh, like, another one yeah and he like was pushing trevor's thing to try to level it and fucking poked a hole through it with his <gasps> tiny sport leg. goodness i do remember this and like poor trevor trevor's like yeah, yeah whatever man it's cool <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> it was like oh give it a fuck uh, oh my like, goodness. Eh, you know like he just totally did fucking blew it off i'm like wow man yeah trevor's I awesome i freaked the fuck out but yeah, um, and then he ends up towing. I remember like having breakfast. I feel like at Tenth and Wood, yeah, like a brunch scene. And then there's Crackhead Bob just going down Wood Street, towing Luke's broken down <laughs> forklift. I guess. Yeah, yeah I I remember that happening. Oh my goodness. Okay, but then. Did we finish off what happened with Chris's heart attack? Because I feel like. Oh yeah, he went to the hospital, and they're like. There's nothing wrong with you. You're exhausted. Get some fucking rest. <sighs> they literally told him he was exhausted and to, to rest and drink water. Yeah, because I thought it was like a heart attack. Yeah, though. everybody thought he was having a heart attack because he like, I can't feel my legs. Yeah. He got all freaked out. I mean, he was as white as a ghost. Yeah. So like, legit, everybody thought he was having a heart attack, but like, he came back, he was fine. He was just fucking exhausted. I never heard from him again. He used to text me I all the time. Saw him. Didn't you? Yeah, you saw him like a year or two ago, right? Yeah, I saw him driving his truck with Murray, hanging out of it, and I couldn't get his attention. So that was the year or two ago. Yeah. And then before that, that dude that was his friend. I see him all the. Move, who looks like Shaggy from Scooby Doo, kind of. He looks like a cross between Shaggy from Scooby Doo and the Big Lebowski. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was a cool guy. He was a cool dude, but he was working at the fisherman's place in Pier 26, the crab traps guys. Oh, really? Yeah, he was working in there with them. Oh, okay. And I'm like, yo, you're that dude. He's like, yo, you're that dude. <laughs> yeah, he was like very pivotal in Chris's move out. Yeah. He was like the exp he was like the muscle and like the planner. Yeah. The like get it done. He, he was the logistics guy to get get him at yeah. all hours of the night, right? Yeah, that was a long, that was a long. full night on all night long, three or four. In couple the morning, nights, still be going. Couple nights, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Th they must have been using something to keep the keep oh, the lights yeah. on. Yeah, they had to. Have been. And I just remember that night that fucking oh my god, was grinding and welding on his fucking container at like four o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, at the triangle. <laughs> It's like at crap. four o'clock in the morning, just fucking nonstop, and then the the spatter sparkle noise of the welder would happen for an hour. Oh my god! Oh. What is how is Garing doing that at four in the morning? I have no idea. With headlamps? Yeah, he had like 
a, a LED lantern inside there. My goodness. Yeah. My it goodness. Was, that was horrible. And I was like, fucking shut up! <laughs> like, I was so fucking pissed. And, uh, yeah, it was, that was intense, man. What wow. A weird world. That is, that is a good origin of how we got here, though. Yeah. I feel like there's more to that story, but... I think the really interesting thing is, is if we were to lay out who's been here the longest... Yeah. You got here first. I've been here longest. What do you mean? Because you've not lived here the whole time. Because you spend time in Joshua Tree, and you know, you, you yeah. stay with Janet and stuff, and like, you're not here all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much here all the time. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I... If you've got ADU or tiny home questions, give me a shout at tinylogic.ninja.